5: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. There have been some more green shoots of recovery seen this week in relation to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Taoiseach gave an upbeat assessment of the current situation in terms of suppressing the virus in the community, but there are still concerns about the clusters of coronavirus in meat plants. It's been a week of reports, including IFAC's Irish Farm Report 2020, in which half of Irish farmers express concern about the future. There's been a modest decline in agricultural land values in the first quarter of 2020, according to a survey from Sherry Fitzgerald Research, and we hear how Cork has fared. Irish Farmers Journal published its exclusive 2020 Agri-Business Report in association with KPMG, in which it states a carbon-neutral beef and dairy farming is achievable. Farmers' markets have resumed this week after being in lockdown since March. Farm Talk paid a visit to Mahan on Thursday. We have a virtual tour of an agriculture and garden outlet which reopened under Phase 1 of the government's roadway and witnessed the changes that were made to facilitate COVID-19 health and safety guidelines. Our weekly Tagus advisory is with B&T Dairy Advisor Neely O'Sullivan based in Cantork. Also Farm Talk's John O'Connor looks at the stories making the agri-news this week. Farm
1: Talk on C103.
5: It emerged in the past week that as many as 120 workers may have tested positive for COVID-19 at the Keypack meat processing plant in Watergrass, Hill in Cork. Figures earlier in the week revealed there were as many as 600 meat plant workers affected by coronavirus in plants around the country. The Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed, told Farm Talk that whatever action is needed to address the matter would be taken. In a further development in the story, a leading farming organisation welcomed the plans to offer temporary accommodation to some of the staff working in meat factories. It was one of the measures the HSE unveiled to try to prevent the spread of COVID-19. It further emerged at least 860 cases of the virus had been confirmed in meat plants. Edmund Phelan, President of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, is backing the plans for alternative accommodation. I think
0: it's an excellent proposal because if there are some people that are ill, they have to be isolated from the people that are healthy. And
4: I think there's, a, there's a, enough accommodation in the country to do this. There's a lot of hotels, say holiday accommodation that's not been
0: used. So I, I think it's an opportunity now for two reasons. It, it protects the health workers and also maybe gives work to the to the accommodation
5: sector. The HSE is preparing a report into why employers were given the COVID-19 test results before staff had been tested. The Health Minister, Simon Harris, had requested the report into why it happened in meat factories and care homes. The HSE is engaging with the Data Protection Commissioner and has ended the practice. Employers were informed initially to allow them to send people home where there was a large outbreak. The story moved on on Thursday night. The Dáil heard claims a cloud of shame is hanging over the meat processing industry over how it treated workers. The government insisting the proper regulations are in place to allow them operate within health guidelines. However, Sinn Féin's Brian Stanley said he believes that's not the case.
0: And you've continuously told me uh, that you and your, that your officials in these plants uh, are, are sure that all precautions are being taken and other officials. Whoever is telling you that is telling you a load of bull. None of that tallies with the situation in many meat processing plants. And wherever we wearing masks, some must be wearing blindfolds because it doesn't tally with what workers are telling me for the last seven weeks.
5: Agriculture Minister Michael Creed dismissed suggestions from Sinn Féin that they're not adequately addressing the problems. Deputy Stanley, um, who has categorized all this mess, it's easy to be a hurler on the ditch, kind of commenting on everybody else's best endeavors. For every individual who contracts it, and for every industry that's ca- grappling with the consequences, it's a challenge. And everybody, I think, is doing their best, including those workers who were deemed to be essential workers by this house in the context of the regulations. Farmers, meanwhile, have expressed concerns about implementing social distancing in the workplace, on farms, in their yards and in the fields. Donald Barrett farms in Buing and is a member of Dairy Goal's Mallow Regional Committee, He spoke to me about the fears that farmers have in their day-to-day work as well as concerns over health and safety at herd testing time due to vets' presence in meat factories.
4: Farmers have raised concerns with me on on those issues and uh, like that, it was a concern to them. We thought at the time that testing should not have been going ahead as it was uh, at that time. During the lockdown, we expected that testing would be... uh, Withdrawn, and appropriate measures put in place to free up the movement of livestock in special circumstances where housing capacity was an issue. We were concerned about it and the health and safety of farmers while this work was going on was a bit of an issue with some
5: people. Now you would have had a bit of an experience of that yourself there with your own herd. It worked out okay but like you said you had concerns.
4: Yes, right yeah. yeah. There was, we got through it okay yeah that's for sure but social distancing can be a bit of a problem at times. Working with animals, it is, it is, it is a problem, like, but like that, you just have to get around it, try and get around it the best you can, and try and stay out of the area where, where you're in an enclosed area, try and stay out of that area as much as possible, and let the vet get around it if, if it's
5: possible. And is it a problem in so, different circumstances, like on bigger farms, Donald, or say, you know, the smaller average farm that we're used to?
4: Yeah, I suppose the smaller average farmer, his, his, his housing facilities, may not be as big as the other areas you can have an enclosed area where, where you could have a problem with with that social sort of distancing so it was a bit of an issue with, with those in those areas
5: and of course we have a lot of activity on the farms at the minute the silage season is in full flow now so there's a lot of activity on the farms a lot of people coming into farm yards which is the bigger concern
4: that's, that's true that's true there's a lot of people coming in and out and, right, well, we, 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 we're dealing with it as best we can and try and stay, stay away from, from people when they come in and just, you know, leave messages where, where, where you can, put them in place and let the, let the people know what you actually want and what you want to do.
5: And in terms of guidance, was there much guidance given to the ordinary farmer, Donal, in relation to how they should act during COVID-19?
4: Well, I'd say a lot of people were... 100% sure of what they should do or, or not do. We were sent out letters were sent out to us and advised us on what, what what we should do and how we get around things. It was a little bit up in the air in, in, in a way for people so it was a bit of an issue with some
5: people. And finally I suppose Donald then in terms of getting an outcome for the farmer where do you see this going and are there still issues that need to be resolved as we move through the government's roadmap?
4: We have a long way to go yet and it will take time and hopefully that we will see an outcome to the end of it. Farmers are good at doing their business and they'll do it as, as best they can and they'll do it as safely as they can. I'm asking farmers now to continue with their thing with their as much as possible where they can do so. Good hygiene, practising their washing hands as much as possible, keeping the... the... the hygiene practices in place and doing the best they can to, to alleviate any problems that they might have
5: going forward. Donald Barrett, a farmer in Boeing, a member of Dairy Gold's Mallow Regional Committee. ICMSA and ICSA issued statements in response to the EU's farm-to-fork strategy launched this week. ICMSA finds the EU report unconvincing when it comes to retailers' treatment of the primary food producers, the farmers. A statement from ICMSA President Pat McCormack detailed their concerns. John O'Connor has this report for Farm Talk. The leader
0: of one of the nation's largest farm organisations has described the just-launched European Union farm-to-fork strategy on sustainability and food as being unconvincing when it came to changes required at retail level. Commenting on publication of the European Union's long-awaited farm-to-fork strategy on sustainability and food, the President of the ICMSA, Mr Pat McCormack, said his initial response was there was much in the document which was interesting, incredible, and the document would get full scrutiny in due course. But his initial reaction would be there was a degree of, quote, punches being pulled on the question of the reforms and changes urgently required at retail level. Mr McCormick said the language and tone around the fundamental changes required at retail level was unconvincing and farmers, he said, would not be reassured by promised codes of conduct which did not have powerful legislative force and real sanctions underpinning them. He said the most serious problem is the most obvious one, and he posed the question, when this strategy mentions sustainability, does that include the sustainability of the farmers and primary food producers, or does it just mean theoretic sustainability? Because if it's that, then the very first step is wrong, and every step after that takes us further away from a solution. John O'Connor for Farm Talk.
5: ICSA President Edmund Phelan said the farm-to-fork strategy would not succeed unless it charted a way to deliver a fair price to the primary producer. The EU cannot expect the farmer to do more for less, to produce more with less and to compete on an uneven playing field. Ireland South MEP Billy Kelleher said the implementation of the EU strategies farm-to-fork and biodiversity cannot and should not commence until it's determined how they'll affect farm incomes and also their impact on productivity. He says the EU Commission, in drawing up the strategies, did not look at the micro detail for farming in Ireland and other member states with smaller farm sizes. The average farm in Ireland is just 32 hectares, with considerably smaller farms in certain parts of the country which need to maximise their output just to scrape by. Billy Kelleher said he's worried the radical measures proposed in Farm to Fork and the biodiversity strategy will put them out of business.
1: Farm Talk on C103.
5: We continue on Farm Talk with the report this week from IFAC, the farming, food, and agribusiness professional services firm, on its findings in the annual National Farm Report. It combines the views of almost 1,500 Irish farmers with a comprehensive analysis of the financial data from over 2,500 sets of its clients' 2019 farm accounts and an emerging trend from 22,000 sets of farm accounts over four years. Key findings include one in every two farmers surveyed are concerned about their farm's future. Nine out of ten have no definitive farm succession plan in place. One in three avoid the issue because their business isn't viable enough and wouldn't encourage the next generation to take it on. On financial planning, just over half of farmers have a private pension plan. One in two started contributing in their 20s. One in two don't prepare cash flows or budgets, not enough time to complete, said 43%, and over a quarter don't have the financial ability or understanding. Nine out of ten farmers want to reduce the carbon footprint on their farms, want to support the ring fencing of the agri-sector carbon tax for farm initiatives. One in four do nothing to look after their mental health and well-being. Those who do cited exercise, participation in discussion groups, eating well, having interests outside of farming, taking breaks and holidays and having regular health checks. IFAC is also reminding Cork farmers about the new Tranche 17 of TAM's closing date is deferred to June 5th next owing to COVID-19 restrictions a three-month extension on outstanding TAMS payment claims for projects to be completed by the 1st of July. A derogation is in place, which defers the obligation to complete the now-postponed health and safety course, but allows the applicant to be paid for completed works. This derogation is for a three-month period, and participants will be required to complete a course when they resume. Another report released this week showed a modest decline in agricultural land values in the opening quarter of 2020. There was a relatively stable first three months, but the end of the quarter coincided with the outbreak of COVID-19 and the national lockdown. There was no evidence of any significant impact on values as March closed. The figures are from Sherry Fitzgerald Research, and I asked their Associate Director, Country Homes, Farms and Estates, Philip Guckian, about the land values in the first quarter. The
2: approximate value per acre um, is around 8,850 at the end of the first quarter. Um, As it stands, I suppose, looking at the sentiment around the country, uh, it's quite good. Um, There obviously is going to be an impact, uh, but I think with measures that have been put in place, I I think it mightn't be as bad as we expected. Um, I think the smaller farms might keep their value Um, the larger farms is an unknown quantity, but I suppose until we have a few auctions and have a few sales after post-Covid, we won't know exactly where we stand.
5: And when Covid kicked in, it wasn't as bad maybe as people thought it might be because sales were going through, even to the point of completion.
2: I suppose if you look over the last few years, the land, agriculture land, has not spiked in price. It's actually quite a stable market so what we've seen over the last few years um, in Cherry Fitzgerald is that it might go up a certain percent but actually the next year it, it, it will go down and, and that's been fluctuating up and down for a percent or two for the last number of years so actually agricultural values have held um, and you know it's quite a stable market so that's what we saw I suppose in the first quarter it, it held its price and I suppose with smaller farms and the opportunity for farmers to buy them, a lot of smaller farms would would take that opportunity. So we probably will see a steady market, to be honest, um, we hope, um, with the smaller farms, uh, up to, say, 50 acres or or 500,000.
5: And in terms of the different farm types, how are each operating? Again, they seem to be holding. Like, I mean, grazing probably would be the most popular
2: with dairy farmers and then there's the tillage sector. Uh, but certainly on across the board, they are holding their prices. Um, like, as I said, the price per acre is around 8,850. Um, and, and that's holding across the board. That's for good grazing. So we'd, we'd, we'd grade it on good grazing. Now, obviously, if it's good tillage, it might go up. The better the land, it could go up to ten, eleven thousand. 11,000. But also, I suppose, if it goes down to forestry, it could be three, 4,000. They seem to be holding... The prices, the transactions that are happening before COVID and during COVID, um, they seem to be holding. Um, there's not many much, much fall-through rates, which is positive. So we've got to look at the, the uh, that as, as, as being a big positive for the market.
5: And here in the southwest, how have we been performing?
2: I mean, there's some beautiful land. I mean, Cork is one of the, the best dairy farms region in, in Ireland and, and again yeah I mean it, it's certainly been keeping its price as well the grazing uh, it, it would always be I suppose a little bit above the average because of the quality uh, the national average because of that quality um, so I mean you could be talking around nine to ten thousand uh, for okay grazing and obviously more for, for better land but um, they Cork will always hold its value that land Uh, because it's a much sought after uh, commodity and and that's the old saying goes they don't make much more of it Um, so certainly uh, I think as I said the smaller farms might hold their value a lot and I I think the same will apply for Cork certainly the larger farms um, might find it a little bit difficult Uh, I know there's some two or three large farms in Cork at the moment on the market they might take a time to sell but like with most farms they might just take a little bit longer than your your, uh, smaller farm obviously
5: and the farming sector is nothing if it's not resilient. With the crystal ball that we're looking into, Philip, and have have they something to look forward to when all of this is over?
2: I, I think certainly, I, I you know I'm certainly involved in agriculture myself, and I think that's the one thing I, we we did. A, um, I did a ring around to all our Sherry Fitzgerald offices in, um who would be quite uh, knowledgeable in the agricultural field, and we I spoke to a lot of them and. The sentiment around the country is very much that farmers are a resilient bunch and, you know, they are quite used to markets fluctuating up and down. Um, You know, you see the dairy sector is quite prominent at the moment. Uh, The tillage sector is finding it hard. But, you know, you look back a few years ago and it was probably the reverse. So a lot of farmers would be used to the prices. Uh, You look at beef, uh, prices fluctuate quite often in that market, up and down, and um, I think farmers are much more resilient than probably other sectors. Um, But that said, it's going to be hard for everybody. Everybody's going to be affected by this. Um, But I honestly think, I suppose, looking at land values, I I honestly think that, you know, there may be a short-term fall in it, a little bit of a decline, but I I do think it's going to be a short-term, I'm hopeful anyway, uh, because I suppose land values, as I said, have remained stable and haven't dramatically increased in value. Uh, so I certainly feel very optimistic. The future uh, we can get back, hopefully, to viewing places as well, and um, shortly. So I'm quite optimistic, and I suppose farms, because uh, they're outside, and if you're taking fields or land or, or or anything like that, I suppose they're outside. So it's it's easier to do so do social distancing and stuff like that.
5: Philip Guckian, Associate Director, Country Homes, Farms and Estates, with Sherry Fitzgerald. Irish Farmers Journal published its 8th Annual Agribusiness Report in association with KPMG. The theme of the report is sustainability, and it highlights the extensive change taking place in the agri-food sector to reduce carbon emissions. As a result of this change, as well as emerging new science... Ireland's agri-food sector can contribute to the 7% emissions reduction target currently under discussion in government formation talks. Research is already well advanced to breed climate-smarter cattle with lower methane emissions. The report also shows carbon-neutral beef and dairy farming is achievable. Plans are already advanced to scientifically measure a carbon-neutral dairy farm in Cork. ESB has issued a farm safety release reminding all farmers and silage contractors to keep a safe distance from electricity wires during this silage cutting season. The utility provider responded recently to a number of safety incidents involving the electricity network and the message is aimed at as many farmers and silage contractors as possible. IFA and the Road Safety Authority launched a joint safety appeal as the silage season got underway. They're appealing to drivers of farming machinery and vulnerable road users to share the road safely. IFA.ie and RSA.ie have more information on the safety campaign.
0: Mr Pat Griffin, Senior Inspector at the Health and Safety Authority, HSA, has warned against farmers bringing their children out with them when doing any type of active farm work. Mr Griffin suggests that children should not be in the fields or yards when work is going on. The HSA chief's warning coincides with an exceptionally busy time of the year on farms and against the background of a number of serious accidents in recent days on farms. The HSA senior inspector points out that, on average, 20 adults lose their lives on Irish farms every year and children should not be in the fields or yards when work is underway. If children are ever to be in the yard when busy farm work has stopped, it must be done in a more controlled way than presently occurs on some farms. Mr Griffin recommends that farmers would liaise with their farm organisations on finding out how they might improve their farm safety practices. Mr Griffin points out that, unfortunately, when a farm accident occurs, it will be frequently found that some precaution or other, or rule, has been broken or at least overlooked. The family or individual have to live with the resulting nightmare for the rest of their lives. And that's part of a caution regarding child safety on farms from Mr Pat Griffin, Senior Inspector at the Health and Safety Authority, HSA. John O'Connor for Farm Talk.
1: Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow,
6: grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot,
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
5: We continue this week's Farm Talk with our weekly Tagusk advisory. Neil O'Sullivan is a B&T dairy advisor based in Cantorque. Their topics are breeding, grassland management and silage making. I began by asking Lily about advice and tips for farmers to get the most from their breeding strategy.
3: The majority of the early farmers in, are coming into the, their third week of breeding at this stage, having come into breeding since maybe since the first week of May. And I suppose, look, now is a very good time to maybe review progress on how submission rates are going. And I suppose, look, the target here for every farmer is to try and have 90% of the cows submitted within the first three weeks. So... I suppose, look, when you break that down, it equates to about 30% a week. So if you look at maybe 100 a 100 cow herd as an example, about 30 cows a week should ideally be submitted for boarding. I suppose for those who, who are members of the herd plus service there from the ICBS, there is the option there of, of generating their own fertility reports. And these reports, in my own opinion, are a very, very useful tool for monitoring submission rates and seeing your own, proge- seeing your own progress. And I suppose, look, another integral part of that, is, to that report is that it gives you a complete list of cows in your herd that have been carved over 30 days and, I'm not, and have not yet been sold. So, look, I suppose straight away it gives you a possible insight and list of maybe any problem any problem cases or maybe potential suspects to investigate. So, look, I suppose I would advise farmers there to maybe go through your records and pull out pull out the, the cows in question and just go through and see had any of those calls that have carving, had they sick, would. Were they sick? Had they twins in any way? And is there any potential reason that that these ladies aren't cycling? And I suppose, look, pull these out and get these examined by the vet because more often than not, they, they may need hormone treatment in order to get them cycling again.
5: Now, I suppose, Neely, at this time of the year, grassland management, and following on from that, the silage making, because we're well into the silage season now in the last number of weeks, grassland management first. Why is it important to keep an eye on grass at this time of the year?
3: Probably safe to say that farmers are already on the crest of a wave at the moment when it comes to current performance. I suppose in talking to my own clients and talking to farmers in general. cows are milking very, very well. Milk fats and proteins are quite good. And I suppose the weather has been with us in so far the last few has been very, very dry. There's a plenty of sunshine and grass is growing well. However, I suppose, look, from the month of May onwards, the grass plant starts undergoing changes. It starts moving into its reproductive phase. So, look, instead of growing leaves, it starts it starts producing seed heads. And I suppose, look, as a consequence of that, more stems that's coming into the plant. If we look at maybe growth rates from pasture base at the moment, they're kind of averaging around 60 kilos of dry matter a day. So, look, there's a drop of rain in the forecast at the moment. And I suppose, look, all the pieces of the puzzle of the jigsaw are coming to play in, into play here, I suppose, that there's a bit of moisture coming, there's high pressure coming for next week. And I suppose, look, ground temperatures are very warm as well. So, look, it, it does bode well for a, a, another boast another burst in growth again. And I suppose, just to maybe ensure the grass doesn't go too much out of control, it's very important that farmers walk the paddocks twice a week at this time of the year just to monitor growth and make decisions on grazing. I suppose for those that measure, ideally pre-grazing cover should be around 1,400 kilos or three-fifths high for those that don't, or what I would like to call nice leafy grass. I suppose grass gone above this, say that has gone too strong, should ideally be taken out in the farm own around the end. And I suppose the issue here with too strong a cover, putting clothes into too strong a cover, it does lead to a detrimental impact on co-performance. And I suppose, look, simply because of that, is the higher the cover, there's more stem coming into the plant, it fills up the animal, and I suppose, look, it actually, it, it causes a drop in yield in energy, and also a drop in the protein percentage. So, look, I suppose it's very important to watch watch the checks from the co-op going forward, just, just to, keep, to keep an eye on the protein, and maybe keep an eye on on the covers that the covers are going And I suppose the big issue with heavy covers here, Barry, is it 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 does lead to reduced performance. And I suppose it it impacts on out from the point of view of sometimes grazing down to maybe four centimetres is more difficult to achieve, and it leads to maybe poor quality grass in 22 or three days' time when they come around again. I suppose I just want to remind farmers, Barry, that taking suckers pills is a very big draw on nutrients, and I suppose... Looking at soil samples there over the last five years there was a big drop in K on the milking platform. And this is this is because of, that it, surface pairs are a big draw in K. And it, like It needs to be reapplied either in the form of organic or chemical nitrogen. So, look, a general rule of thumb is that for every four bales to the acre that that's taken off, you need to really reapply either 1,000 gallons of soy to the acre or else in the form of organic nitrogen or else Maybe one bag of 7.30 in the fall of
5: clinical. If we move on then to silage making, it's that time of the year. We're seeing a lot of it going on in the last week or two. And the big question always, Neely, is quality over quantity. So have you any tips or advice on this? Well, after Nixon, run weather,
3: some farmers have taken advantage of this and made a lot of silage. There's been, there's been a lot of silage made. However, I suppose look, there's still a lot of silage to be done. And I suppose, look, my advice to farmers would be to maybe put a bit of time and preparation and planning in place and try and make the best possible silage that you can. And I suppose the first step in this is to get their soil tested and analyzed for nitrates and sugars. Chagas offer a silage testing service to their clients so look, farmers can contact their local office beforehand and arrange a drop-in and a sample and get it tested for nitrates and sugars. And I suppose look, this is important from a planning perspective so you know when the nitrogen is out of the crop or not. In terms of quality versus quantity, I think, look, firstly, farmers have to ask themselves two questions. I suppose, look, what will this crop be used for and how much of this type of soil do you need? And I suppose, look, Every farm farmer needs to decide, what will I be using the silage for? Will it be for dry cows? Will it be used to feed the milking cows maybe at the back end of the year or the following spring? Or will it be, fed, or will it be used to feed growing young stock? And as far as my advice here would be to maybe try and break down your requirements into two categories. A higher DMG silage for maybe 72% plus for milking cows at the shoulders of the year for growing young stock. And maybe a dry cow seats, uh, 66 to 68% D
5: And just to conclude, then, our advisory this week, Neely, you have an announcement there to make in relation to some Chagas activities?
3: There's a virtual crop walk being held next Thursday, the 28th of May at 630 pm. Now, this is being done via Zoom conferencing, and those interested must register for the event on the Chagas website in advance. And when they do that, when they enter their email address and phone number, they will receive an email. With the link to access the event on Zoom. I suppose in that call, there will be advisors and specialists around the country giving updates on how crops are doing at the minute and agronomy
5: advice. b O'Sullivan, t Dairy Advisor with Tiagask, based in Cantork.
0: Dairy Gold, our sponsor, committed to buying all malting barley. Dairy Gold has committed to purchasing all the contracted tonnage of malting barley from its growers this coming harvest. This is despite the concerns raised about the impact of COVID-19 on breweries and distilleries and their demand for malting barley. Mr. Remo Flaherty, head of Dairygold's Agribusiness, points out the restrictions currently in place have led to the closure of bars and restaurants and this has adversely impacted the demand from the brewing and distilling industries. He points out again, however, Dairy Gold recognises that our growers have already planted crops and Dairy Gold wants to give them certainty and security in this challenging time. From a cooperative perspective, it was important we would guarantee our contracted malting barley tonnage for growers. Dairy Gold is one of Ireland's largest buyers of Irish grain, taking in over 110,000 tonnes on average annually. Further information on that report from Miss Katrina Morrissey, News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, in this week's journal, Saturday, 23rd of May, 2020. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103.
5: It's been a good week for farmers' markets, which have returned under Phase One of the government's roadmap. C103 senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran went along to Mahon Point on Thursday. To sample the atmosphere. Rupert Hugh Jones, coordinate. Well, we're delighted after a nine, nine week break. It's been pretty stressful for everyone, so it's lovely to be back. So, the shopping centre will be very kind to give us lots of room, so we spread out between the plaza and the adjacent car park, um, which means we can put a lot more space between the stalls. And then we've created a perimeter around the market with an entrance and an exit, so we can control the number of people coming through. So, the idea is if it gets too busy and we're unhappy, then we can shut it down and let people pass on out before letting more people in. We have about half of the 50 here. We have 27 here today and we usually have 50. So there were some stalls that weren't ready to come back. Some stalls that wanted, just felt uncomfortable. And then especially ones with older stall, stall holders that just it didn't feel comfortable. So, you know, gradually, bit by bit. We're, we were very happy though to have less stalls to start with so we can just build it up week by week and depending on how it goes.
7: Anna Hearn is my name and it's a Hearns Organic Farm and we're from Middleton and we're here at the market with, since it started. So we have uh, organic raw milk from our Jersey cows and we also sell um, he- eggs from our beautiful uh, hens. And uh, we sell chickens that we get from a lady up in in Scorsese in County Wexford. So how does it feel to be back here today? It's great. It's such a beautiful morning, meeting all our customers and it's, uh, it's, it's just such a positive place to be. It's great we really missed the market besides the financial uh, aspect of it just missing the whole social aspect of the market because when you're at home on the farm uh, that's it like you you're pretty much in isolation <laughs> anyway so like the market is a great outlet for us and we just love it so the social aspect, I definitely missed it because everybody around here at the market on stalls and everybody, they're just super people, they're great. you have a way of selling Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, most of that milk would have gone to the creamery anyway, but we also uh, sold from the farm. Uh, we set up a farm shop and um, that was uh, every Saturday morning. So we sold a nice bit of milk and eggs and mm, just, just easy to do it because uh, the, far, the fine big yard and people just called. And uh, then we also did the neighbour food um, click and collect, and that was done in East Cork in uh, Dunbelemaloo. Uh, so that that was great. You know, moved uh, mainly the eggs really would have been our, our problem to to move because the, the milk would have gone to the creamery um, one way or the other. And are you concerned about coming here today about your own health? Uh, well, we're obviously taking all the. Pre- the precautions, I mean you're 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 so far across the counter to, from me here you know, um, and you know all the social distancing and, and Meg is here with me now today and to, you know, obviously she's my daughter and so we don't have to distance because we live together <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah I mean, people are aware of it, uh, I think a lot, you know, because it's in the shops everywhere and um, they have, Rupert has it all set up here so everybody, all the stalls are a good distance apart and it's plenty of um, space in the car park as well, so,
6: it, you know, it's grand. All you need is space. So it's really nice though, yeah. It's absolutely essential. We're, like, it's 50% of our business at least. Plus, we're selling directly to the customers, so we're a small artisan producer. producer. Uh, we don't have access to markets other than that because, you know, how else would we sell? And our restaurant business, of course, is gone. So, uh, mostly gone. So, yeah, so this is absolutely... Without it, we'd be we wouldn't be in business, you know. Everybody has their challenges. I mean, we've we you know our our business was just you know cut hugely, but we we managed. We were lucky in a lot of ways, Um, so we were able to just keep our head down and keep going. Really, so. And now, like, are there protections that you need to take for yourself
7: here now? Are you any concerns about your own health being?
6: Well, you take your normal protections and protections that everybody else is taking. So I'm doing an awful lot of hand washing. I've chlorine here. That I'm washing down the you know the surfaces with. Um, yeah, I've got obviously the hand gel and all that. And then we're we're social distancing, so you know it's just normal logical steps that you take. You know, is so it's great not to be out is be it, yeah, to it is. It's great, and you and the fact that we're outside makes it much safer, of course, as well. It, it's lovely to see people able to get out and walk around and you know do something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, farmers' markets are like a supermarket, except you know a, a different model. So um, you know, it's not like it's a you know a carnival or something. This is a food, food selling opportunity for us and for for people to buy local organic cheese or local artisan food. You know,
5: a taste of the farmers' market there at Mahon Point on Thursday. Well, agriculture and garden outlets also reopened last Monday again under phase one of the government's roadmap. Mark Wolfe at Atkins on the Carrigahan Road brought us on a virtual tour of the complex to witness the changes made to facilitate COVID-19 health and safety guidelines. Making sure it's clean first of all. Second of all, we're putting in I suppose measures to ensure that it's safe then
1: when the public come back in. So we have maybe widened the aisles a bit to allow people pass each other more comfortably. We've put up perspex screens, there's sanitisation gel uh, in various places. I suppose also floor markings are quite important and we have calculated what the capacity of the shop is and we'll have somebody employed at the door to ensure we uh, restrict our footfall to to the capacity. There isn't any guidance available that I have found from Retail Excellence Ireland or the HSE. So we worked out that this shop could, the garden shop, could accommodate 15 customers and the lawnmower shop could accommodate five customers. to facilitate social distancing. Anything more than that might just be getting a bit uncomfortable. And I think we owe it to ourselves uh, to protect the staff too. So we'll start with these limits. Café is closed until the 29th of June. Um, Cafés and restaurants serving on the premises are uh, permitted to open in Phase 3, currently scheduled for the 29th of June. There have been positives. Our online business has proven itself. Um, it, It wasn't a big portion of our business before now. Uh, we've seen some staff really step up to the plate, and we've had two vans on the road, um, so we've made quite a few deliveries. So, our our turnover is back, uh, back about half. But you know, our costs are back, and we're still here, and we're will make the most of the rest of the year. Now, That's amazing. I'm grateful. Our sector will be one of the less affected sectors. It's it's a reasonably robust sector, and we are in season and grow your own is, is after taking off this year um, tremendously. So, right, the weather is great and yeah, I think I think there's still a summer of gardening ahead of people.
5: Positivity there from Mark Wolfe at Atkins on the Carrie grohan Road in Cork.
0: The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed TD, has announced that almost €500,000 is being paid to farmers in coming days in recognition of their contribution to the very successful 2019 Hen Harrier breeding season. The Minister points out this payment, which comes on top of the annual scheme payment for farmers, is a dividend payment, rewarding Hen Harrier presence and success on the farmers' land last year. The Hen Harrier Programme is a €25 million scheme from the department as part of Ireland's Rural Development Programme. Last year was a very successful one for Hen Harriers. The 56 confirmed pairs in the 6 SPAs, Special Protected Areas, reared at least 81 chicks. This was the highest number for 14 years. The gains were most pronounced in Kerry, where one pair raised an almost unprecedented five chicks. This hen harrier scheme is a key biodiversity measure from his department and has gone from strength to strength. More than 1,500 participant farmers are helping to conserve what he called this beautiful bird for generations to come. Minister Creed said last year's successful breeding season came after a lot of hard work by many stakeholders and it's fitting that we would be rewarding this during National Biodiversity Week. IFA Hill Committee Chairman Mr. Floor McCarthy has welcomed the payment of bonuses for the Hen Harrier Scheme. He said this acknowledges the commitment of farmers to the scheme and is having a positive impact in the SPA's special protection areas. Far McCarthy said the €25 million Euro scheme, which is available up to the year 2023, is a key support for farmers with designated land. However, he said, more needs to be done to deal with the restrictions imposed by the EU Habitats Directive in SACs and SPA Natura areas. Mr McCarthy said... The National Parks and Wildlife Service, NPWS, must develop a compensation scheme that reflects the restrictions imposed by designations. For instance, he said, forestry is not allowed in these areas, reducing income options for farmers. This, he said, had led to land devaluation, which is not in any way recognised by schemes such as GLOSS or the locally led schemes. Mr. McCarthy
5: said this must be addressed by the incoming government. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. IFA National Grain Chairman Mark Brown welcomed the decision by the Heritage Minister Josepha Madigan to revoke the initial Wild Birds Statewide Declaration for the period first of May 2020 to 30th of April 2021. It means measures will be available to farmers from June to August to prevent crop damage. Following a recent meeting with the NPWS on the issue, IFA submitted a detailed document which highlighted the need to reverse the decision relating to wood pigeon control. IFA Countryside Chair Brian Rush said wood pigeons can cause serious damage to crops at any stage of the season. It's important farmers are allowed to control the bird because of the threat to a broad range of cereal, legume and vegetable crops throughout the 12 months of the year. Mark Brown concluded by saying the decision would alleviate some of the pressure on tillage and vegetable farmers who were struggling to remain financially viable. Farming organisations are maintaining COVID-19 advice based on measures outlined by the government. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine is a telephone helpline to assist farmers with their queries in relation to current COVID-19 restrictions in place. The information line phone number is 76 one o six double four six eight, and open from nine thirty a.m. to twelve thirty p.m. and from two to five p.m. Monday to Friday. In addition, the department published a set of frequently asked questions on the coronavirus COVID nineteen section of the department's website. Togask also has a helpline for farmers, the number zero seven six one double one three five three three during office hours, and the website tagesc.ie is also a prime source of information on the full range of issues facing farm businesses. Thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony and thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?